fellow adventurers. Welcome to a Nat One Life podcast series called Homebrew Heals. Here, my sister Amanda and I will talk about our different journeys we have taken or are still on to resolve our medical issues. From gut issues to skin issues, we have experienced a lot in our 30 years. We do not have any medical backgrounds, but feel we have rolled high enough in our investigation and health checks and want to share our experiences with you. So come along this journey with us and see what we discover together. We need the more information about the butthole. <laughs> I think it's good. the butthole is going to be a hot topic in our D&D campaign. Great. It's going to encompass all the areas of your life. I can already picture it now. You guys will get in town and be like, do you know about the butthole? <laughs> <laughs> and all the characters and all the NPCs in town will be like, yeah, everybody has a butthole. Why are you guys so worried about yeah. that? Paul's like, do you have the butthole? I love how out of context this will be for the podcast. because It really will be. (laughs) We'll just have to go check out our D&D stuff. Okay. All right. So, so Amanda, is it hard to admit you have a problem? I don't have a problem. You have a problem. Mm -hmm. That easy. (laughs) That easy. Yeah. Um, I am a problem solver by nature and even by profession like for a couple of years so I have a Six Sigma green belt I have a lot of training in lean management I look for problems I don't know if you do you want to explain what Six Sigma means yeah so basically it's process and project okay so project management is the Six Sigma side so it's about approaching a project in a specific scientific way in order to achieve results that will actually be sustained over a long period of time. And along with that comes like lean management, which is very similar, but you're also trying to like minimize waste and make your processes smooth. So by nature, I just like to look for problems. And I've taken personality tests and like the tests in the corporate world that talk about like, what are your strengths in the workplace? And one of mine is being restorative, which which means I want to fix things. Um, It is very nice, but at the same time, in my personal life, it could be detrimental because instead of admitting to somebody I have a problem or admitting that I need help with something, I spend my wheels trying to fix it myself. I see. Okay. So you try to problem solve yourself first. Yeah. You're like, I'm like, I'm a problem solving pro. I got this. I'll figure it out. And it's exhausting, you know, over time, just like over and over. And it can impact areas of your life, like your relationships, because you're just cranky, because you can't figure out the problem. And especially with the poop issues and just everything that I was going through after I got out of high school and into adulthood and started having children, it was just one thing on top of another. And as a mom and a wife and somebody working full time, my problems came last. Mm. So I see. Okay. Well, I feel as if for me, I was always like, I at first would admit to having a problem and whatnot, but it got to the point where it became too repetitive for me. And I didn't 
like having to try and explain my problems to other people, especially Mm -hmm. when it was something where I didn't have an actual answer for. There was no like doctors that confirmed anything. Everything was just assumption or guessing. So Mm -hmm. at first I would let people know, but as time went on and as I got older, I didn't like I could admit to myself that there was a problem but I would minimize it in Mm -hmm. my mind and then I stopped kind of sharing with other people yeah that can be so discouraging in your life your day-to-day or detrimental to your mental health because it's almost like keeping something secret like a a part of you hidden from everybody which we all have our own selves but eating and pooping like being a basic human isn't really one of those things that you would think of that you would want to hide well and it's it's (laughs) funny that you say that like in those words because after like high school so I didn't start seriously dating until high school and after high school going into college I still had a high school boyfriend and it was getting to the point you know we were getting serious and he was my first one and everything Mm -hmm. which meant I was now spending the night over at a guy's house or mm-hmm. apartment you're gonna and drop a load no right <laughs> that's the, the problem but it was even like not even like pooping because i had to deal with hiding my poop for so long beforehand that i feel like i almost became a professional at it mm-hmm. it was the throwing up and i didn't want him to think that I was like bulimic or anything Mm -hmm. and it was like I love to eat and if you were to look at my throw up not all of the food comes out and I don't go immediately throw up right after eating or anything like that so but in my mind being young and high school students and whatnot even then I knew that connecting the dots would be way too easy for somebody on the outside who didn't understand. If you were to sleep over? Yeah, if I were to mm-hmm. sleep over. And, and that even continued. <laughs> this is going to be really kind of shocking, I guess. That continued even into my marriage. Mm-hmm. Like, I did not marry the boy from high school. I did. My husband is from my college years. So I went that long hiding it Mm -hmm. and what did that mean for you well I mean like every time you were in the bathroom every time you so throw up yeah so it was mainly evening time or right in the morning when we were waking up and it was I did not feel good I was having a really bad like nauseous morning and so I would at first try to keep it down like okay start a mental mantra don't throw up don't throw up uh and then some days that didn't work and so I had to try and cover it up I would start like 
gagging, start dry heaving. And so then I would walk out of the room completely. Sometimes I even left the apartment to go get, I would say, like fresh air or just any reason to not be heard that I was about to be throwing up. Did you get good at hiding your poops or anything like that to that extent? Yeah, well, yes. And so it's kind of crazy as well because it wasn't so much the poop. Like, I have diarrhea so many times in a day. And it's it's been that way for so long that I really wasn't able to hide it as much as just control it. Um, and so, like, Paul and I will use phrases, my husband will you and I will use phrases like, oh, just suck it up. And it's because I can literally, like, feel the diarrhea come. Like, oh, there's diarrhea. And I will, like, clench. Yeah. And it will stop. And then I can feel like bubbles and everything moving back up almost. Yep. And I know it'll be worse later, but I can make it stop. And so, but then there's the stomach noises and that stuff happens at work. And so it's like trying to hide it. I stopped eating. Yeah. I wouldn't eat during the day. I would only eat when I was at home. Um I wouldn't eat breakfast because that means my stomach would start getting upset as soon as I was going to work and I didn't want to poop at work. And so then I developed really bad eating habits because of that. And the vomiting was and is, I think now, well, now it's a little bit different, but the vomiting was because of how I was eating. I was almost binge eating. Like I have to get all my calories in right now. Mm. because between these hours is when I can poop and and, I have to poop at home. And I've done something extremely similar too, where if I've gotten myself in a position where my normal poop schedule, because my body, like I forced it into a schedule, which Mm -hmm. is normal for a lot of people. They have like certain times that they just know that they're going to need to use the restroom. But it seems like people who don't have gut issues, maybe once in a while they'll go off schedule, but that's fine. Like they're okay with it. They know Mm -hmm. to expect something like that. But I mean, for myself, like I forced my body into a schedule and if it decided to go off schedule because of something I chose to eat, I would do the same thing. I would hold it in until I was breaking out into a sweat and I could feel the bubbles reversing. And it's funny because (laughs) as soon as that starts happening, it makes me want to throw up. Yep. And so I was like, I can't (laughs) win here. Like... Right. Like, oh, do I do it this way and avoid that? And then I'll just throw up later and maybe I won't throw up. Maybe I'll just feel nauseous for a long time. But then it's like we're expelling all of this energy, trying to control our bodies, like expelling waste or expelling something that's making upset. And it's just insane because it takes it. I know for me, it takes energy to do it. And then I'll be tired. I'm like, Oh my God, like what happened? Well, I had to stop myself from shitting everywhere three times today. And (sighs) it's exhausting. You know what I mean? Like it's exhausting. It's exhausting to like do that. And that's why you sweat. 
when it's like the complete opposite, like your body is saying, okay, I'm prepared now to do my job or essentially what it thinks it's its job at that time. And you're like, nope. <laughs> right. Like, no way. I don't know. It's just insane to me. So, so how bad did it have to get for you though? In order for you to finally be like, I need some help. So at the beginning of my marriage with my husband, I finally did admit everything, like came out clean because it was getting to the point where I didn't want to hide it anymore. It was more of like, okay, we're married. We're in this together. You got to know like what's going (laughs) on. I didn't just close this before you signed the contract. Right, exactly. <laughs> By the way. Mm-hmm. In sickness and in health. Right. I'm totally sick, by the way. <laughs> uh, but I, so I finally, like, came clean about it and everything with that. And what came with it and how I manage it and whatnot. And so I went on like that for a while and I felt better. Like, I felt like. I got something off my chest and I made progress in the right direction and whatnot. But then I, it got worse over time. Mm -hmm. And I got to the point where finally I was like, it's not getting better. It's not going away. If I have to continue to be like this, like I'm going to be miserable. I'm going to hate my life. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to miss out potentially on life opportunities Mm -hmm. and I don't want to. And so that I finally kind of came to terms with it. And I know also like you had started going through talking to some doctors beforehand as well. And so whenever you brought that up, it just made me realize that there are people out there that could potentially help me. Right. I don't, there's there's shit specialists out there yeah Mm -hmm. like there are people who study poop yep what do you do i look at feces all day long i'm a fecal filiac (laughs) those are poop lovers there you go um yeah so but it's just it's crazy how bad it has to get in order to seek help um i know for me my life has been an enigma in terms of medical issues. I think enigma is the right word. Paul, enigma? Mm-hmm. Mysterious, puzzling. Yes, enigma. Yes, that is correct. I had to look it up. Yes. <laughs> yes, podcasters. That was not in my vocabulary. Podcast listeners. It is now. It is now. Yeah, enigma. So my, my medical history is definitely crazy. And it got harder and harder for me to admit there was a problem. Like every time I had something else come up that took forever to diagnose. So from what I can remember, the first issue that I had was after I had graduated high school, I had mentioned in our last podcast, um, our last episode that I had some skin issues, you know, that had come up. Well, Mm -hmm. I have confluent and reticulated papillomatosis, and that's it's, a mouthful. Yes, it, it is a mouthful. And it's just super, super rare. Um, I'm trying to find like statistics on oh, like how, how many how common mm-hmm. it is, right? And so um, so I'll mention those here once I find them. But 
so I graduated and all of a sudden I had like this scaly, nasty, like skin that would just like peel off. And no matter what I would do, I would moisturize it because it was like dry. It wasn't sure. itchy. It wasn't like eczema, you know, and like it didn't itch. Um, it, I, it just, it was just weird. It was just weird. And it was all down my left side. Like it started in my armpit and went down the side of my breast and the trunk. And then it just stopped and kind of like fizzled out. And then I had a couple other spots like in the elbow and stuff like that. All right. So I go to all these dermatologists. Mm-hmm. They don't know what it is. Oh, I they're like, we don't know. That's so weird. They test me for fungus. It's not fungus. They test me for bacteria. It's not bacteria. They're like, oh, well, we'll use some steroid creams. Steroid creams don't do anything. Um, We'll use this kind of lotion. We'll do this topical. We'll do this. We'll burn it off. Well, you know what I mean? Like the list literally like with chemicals and different things. And they, you know, would take samples and send it off to labs and the labs would be like, we don't know. We don't know. And it took me until... I was in my 20s. I had already had my first child um, to find. I I found a dermatologist locally um, because we had moved after I had my first child or right before I had my first child to Spokane. And so I had to find a new dermatologist. Right. Mm -hmm. So I find one and I'm going because I have moles and different things I'm very fair skinned so I need to go get checked out regularly like I have I'm a person that has to have a dermatologist and so I go to see her and she sees it and she's like oh are you here about that I'm like no nobody knows what that is I just it's just my skin thing I'm just here about the moles and she had another (laughs) patient that had the same thing oh very uncommon I'm I'm still trying to find the statistics but it's like ridiculously rare to have it and so but it's it can be put into remission with a medication and you just have to take this medication by mouth and it's like a pill you take and then it's in remission for a long period of time so it's a viral no it's not viral it's just kind of like eczema i guess it's like a skin condition that's similar to psoriasis or something it has to do with the amount of keratin that you produce in your skin okay and so it was originally like found by some crazy guy i don't know but (laughs) they're just like hyper pigmented they so they look like plaque almost on your skin like if you just were to if you had a really bad sunburn and you just kept peeling big chunks yeah just over and over like layers and layers and layers and layers like no matter what you did like I would exfoliate and it would be smooth as a baby's butt and I'd lotion and then I'd be like drying off put my clothes on and five minutes later it's like what the heck my skin is all flaky again yeah and it's just crazy anyway so they don't know what causes it they're like, well, we think it could be this. It's definitely not a bacteria. Um, they think that maybe there could be uh, some kind of mutation somewhere in the genetic chain, but they haven't found it. And so there's like all of these different things that they link, but they're just not sure. Anyway, so it's just kind of crazy. So that was what first started out. And I bring it up because 
it's just been one weird thing after another, but also they put me on all these different medications and topical steroids and stuff that are known to mess up your digestive system. Sure. Um, and so then fast forward. So the, the skin issue started when I was 18, but I didn't get diagnosed with it until I was in my mid twenties. I got pregnant with my daughter and when I was 19 and had her when I was 20. Well, while I was pregnant, the beginning of her pregnancy was not very easy. And I had to have hormone help to keep the pregnancy. And so there was like additional medication. It was just progesterone that was put in me. But I just mention it because I feel like it's important. Um, yeah. My daughter. You're, mm-hmm. you're inputting a, like additives. You're, you're mm-hmm. putting a, something into your body either completely foreign or it's something that your body already produces but you're putting more of it into you yeah exactly because if your body's not producing something then that in itself means that there's an issue or there's a a problem of some sort not always like a bad problem but it's just away from something's up yeah exactly and so um so that happens and my Uh, gynecological history is really weird because I had two uteruses and two cervixes and like, it's just weird. And so I don't know. I feel like my whole abdomen is probably just a mystery (laughs) as to what's going on in there. Yeah. Um, And so then I go on and I have another baby and I start to have pain after that baby um, is born and I have to have an abdominal surgery after that. So by the time I was 29, I had had three abdominal, major abdominal surgeries where they have to like um, cut you open, not just laparoscopically. So I had had two C-sections and a hysterectomy. And then now I've had an additional abdominal surgery just not that long ago to remove my remaining ovary. And so there's a lot going on in my abdomen. And um, every time something would happen, I feel like my poop issues would get worse. Mm, See, that's interesting because I myself, I have not had this like uh, any of these experiences, essentially. Like I have had a fairly normal, healthy life, except for what we mentioned before, me having pneumonia around the one-year-old age or Mm -hmm. before I was even one and stuff like that. So, but like, as far as I'm aware, like I, I haven't had really any serious skin issues though. I think I'm developing one here recently, which Mm -hmm. I'll talk about. We, We'll have a whole episode dedicated to skin issues. Yes. <laughs> but I I have only one uterus, one cervix. I haven't really had any skin issues. I haven't had a ton of medications mm-hmm. provided to me other than the pneumonia, the tetanus shots, or the when I was giving birth to my mm-hmm. son. Like... So it's just, it is interesting to hear, like, how you have had all these different medical situations and all these, like, different kinds of medication. Yes, exactly. It's like we have run the gamut. Um, Because then on top of that, 
then in my 30s, I've had a back injury um, and I had to take all sorts of medication because I have like nerve pain and it was terrible. It That medication, uh, it's called gabapentin that they had put me on. I had to get off of it because that was literally calling me, causing me to vomit itself. So then mm-hmm. I was vomiting up everything that I was even able to keep down. Like you had mentioned, even with your gut issues and everything going on, you would know like, okay, I can at least see that I retained something. Like, right. I'm going to have some calories, which by the way, is something that bulimic and anorexic people do. They will put markers in their food. So they'll eat some food, eat a whole bunch of carrots, and then binge eat, and then throw up till they see the carrots. Oh, I see. So they know at what point they've It's reached. a marker. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, I have to stop because I Those are my calories. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I okay. I, that's um, interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Anyway, so... So this is where my breaking point was, which is kind of what we're getting to in this episode, right? Like, what was the breaking point? Mm -hmm. I, my breaking point was literally when my husband was basically afraid I was going to die. Like, I was losing so much weight so fast. I was on medication for my back injury. I was basically laying in bed all day, not eating anything, not drinking water, um... When I would eat, I would throw up. I would try not to take the meds. Well, those meds, you get a, you have to titrate up or down. You mm-hmm. can't just quit. And if you just quit, they have like addiction groups for this medication. They suggest going on a different medication in order to get off of this medication, off of the gabapentin. So it got to a point where I was just so sick And I can't remember the exact conversation with Paul because I was that drugged up like all the time. But basically like he, I could genuinely tell he was worried I was dying. Yeah. Like, like I'm dying and that he needed me to really get a handle on what was going on with my body in order to live for him, for my family, you know, for myself. And so I, Got off of that medication. That was the first step. I saw some, um, you know, spine doctors about alternatives for my back pain and got that under control. And then I moved forward to a gastrointestinal specialist. And I actually started with my primary care doctor. You went a different route, I know. And we'll get into that in a later episode. But Mm -hmm. I started with my primary care doctor because we have, it's taken us a long time, but we have finally found a doctor that we we trust very much. Paul and I both see her, the kids both see her and we, we just start with her. Like she's our starting person. And then she makes referrals for us. And like my gastrointestinal specialist is her doctor as well. Like, nice. yeah. So she's, she's like, he's helped me, blah, blah, blah. And I love it when doctors do that. Cause it makes me feel like, oh, well, if you would see them, <laughs> you're a doctor. Right, exactly. So it gives me a little more confidence. And so she listened to what I was saying, but she was willing to admit that she wasn't the right person to talk to. She's like, you know, it sounds like you really need to see a specialist because of how long this has been going on, how much you're pooping, you know, how the the vomit. But because of everything else that was going on, I was depressed. Yeah. And so we also had to address the depression and 
that is a real thing when you're in this kind of medical mystery and this like situation of like, what is happening with my body? I am deteriorating. I can't do anything about it. You get depressed. And so then I had to answer the, are, you know, have you thought about killing yourself questions? And at that point it was, yeah, like to end all of this. Absolutely. And then they have to ask, look, do you have a plan to do it? And there's, they're very hard questions. And like Paul was there. He was hearing you answer them directly. Oh, that's hard. Yeah. So sitting right next to me. And it was like that moment of, do I be honest? Right. Or do I lie? I chose honest. That was my moment. Good. And that's like, ultimately, like having Paul in the room, that would have been extremely hard. But like for me personally, I'm thinking about if I were in your shoes and my husband was right next to me. I, I don't know if I would have like, I know how important it is, but at the same token, it's like, I'm about to really share some deep secrets about my mental health. And I don't want to like freak him out or anything. So I don't know if I would have, I answered them in front of him or asked if he should leave. Right. Which then would cause more questions. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And so I don't know. It's just interesting. I don't know why I chose to do it in that moment. I think I was just at the point of like, I am so sad and tired of feeling this way. And like all of that, I'm like, I have to do something. And this is my time. Like they're literally asking me, do you need help? Right. They're reaching out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so then, then we went on the journey and it was interesting. And, and my, um, my gastrointestinal specialist response was different than yours because we did get some answers, um, but it was because he continued down the path and, and we'll go into that in another episode. But yeah, it was interesting and definitely not easy to do. And so then I went on some antidepressants to help with that, which, you know, more drugs into your system, but right. But I needed them at that time. And, uh, and you know, I was grateful to have them. And so, yeah, I don't know. That's where... We both came to the same, like, conclusion, essentially. Like, we were both just so completely fed up with mm-hmm. what was going on. And I even remember, like, I had, before I sought out help, uh, professional help... I had spent a couple of like weekends with some friends and two separate different events. One weekend I attempted to drink the smallest amount of alcohol Mm -hmm. and I ended up throwing my guts up and it was, I tried to hide it. Like I was like, okay, they're distracted, they're drunk, they're high, whatever, like they're not going to notice. Yeah. They noticed you're mm-hmm. freaking in a hotel bathroom throwing up. Of course, they're going to notice. So th- at that point, and then also uh, when I spent another time with some friends and I woke up in the middle of the night and I was just puking my guts out in a porta potty. Mm. Oh, gosh. Yep. I was <laughs> like, which, yeah, makes you throw up even more. It definitely cleaned out the system, but it was... 
oh my God. I was just like, I can't. Like, it's too much for me. I don't know how people would be able to continue to be like this for their whole life. Yeah. And I'm glad I had Paul in the room because it gave me that support I needed. Good. But it, yeah, gosh, it was so hard. And yeah, getting to that point of getting so fed up and really me as well. I had lost, I had start. I had lost so much weight. Like, and I was just like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. And I was overweight to start with and I had the weight to lose. And so everybody kept telling me how great I look and how, oh, Mm -hmm. you're just, you look so good. You've lost all this weight, blah, blah, blah. And I am like, I feel like shit. I feel like shit. But then everybody's telling me how good I look. And so I, I, that's why I think I hit it for as long as I did when the weight was coming off. Was this a moment that you had, like, conflicting feelings about the whole situation? Yeah, I, this was a moment I had conflicting feelings about all of it because it was helping me lose weight. Right. But it wasn't. So it was in an unhealthy manner, for one. It was so conflicting for me, and I I wanted to look good. I wanted to lose the weight, but... When you, when, when people would ask me, or how are you losing the weight? I don't oh, know. Yeah. And I had seen a naturopath and we'll talk about that in like our adventure, like where, where we went next. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got my food intolerances tested and I went, I did go on a special diet to stop eating my intolerances, but I only did it religiously for 60 days. I yeah. lost a hundred pounds in a year. That's not, I didn't exercise. I wasn't. Like, and it was just because I was not able to eat. I was throwing up. I was crapping my brains out. Like, I was literally wasting away. And so I had to get help. And in that moment, in that doctor's office, it was like, I need to get help, not just for the gut issues, but also for my mental health because of how long this had been impacting me. That's another aspect that I personally did not have to experience. I have been on the small side pretty much my whole life. I've been short and skinny, just that's just how my body figure type is. And so I always, and I was always, I know you were super active in high school and everything. And I know I was active in high school and for a little bit after high school, Uh, during college but then I immediately like I became pregnant Mm -hmm. and then uh, after pregnancy I was busy with a child so it's like I always had an excuse as to why I had such a small figure right and you're like oh I'm just thin right like it's just that's just how I am that's just my body but in the next episode I'll be going into how that kind of played against me in the Mm -hmm. most recent and it makes me question if one of the reasons why I'm skinny I always thought it was because of my metabolism which for sure I think has a role that it's playing but at the same token I'm wondering if it's because of my stomach issues my gut issues yeah like and because you know there's there's a healthy weight to be at and it's like 
not being able to put on weight or, and you'll go into the pregnancy aspect of things, but not being able to gain weight or, or maintain weight after pregnancy even was a huge pain point for you. And so it's just, it's ironic to me that, uh, or not ironic. It's sad really that something can get overlooked as a symptom for one person and not another just because of weight. Yes. I, to this day, it still just blows my mind what some of the messages that you got. And not to go into detail about it now, but it's just, it's very confusing to me. Yeah. Well, and I think um, it would be good to have Paul on here to talk about from hearing it from his side, um, because it made him angry. He's like, you're not understanding. Like, I know she's big, but you don't lose weight like this unless something's wrong. Right. Yeah. And they're just, yeah. Anyway, we'll talk about that. (laughs) More to come, adventurers. More to come. All right, adventurers. That's all we got for today. Thank you so much for staying tuned in and listening to our journey here with our gut issues. Uh, The next episode, we're going to be talking just a little bit more about where we're at now and the steps we took with professionals. Check us out at natonelife.com, our blog, for more information. Um, And check us out on social media, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and um, right here on our podcast. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Talk to you later, adventurers. Bye.